Hello, everybody, and welcome to Volume 4, Issue 169 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. You can play along with Cane and Rinse Volume 4. Our upcoming shows will include the likes of Dragon's Dogma, Silent Hill Homecoming, Speedball and Speedball 2 Brutal Deluxe, Cameo Elements of Power, and Max Payne 3. Head to CaneandRinse.com for the full schedule, as well as our blog, and links to our merchandise store, our Facebook page, and our YouTube channel. We have another podcast these days as well. Do seek it out. Sound of Play. It's going very well. We have uh, 11 or 12 of those at, now, at this time. And uh, they are about our love of video games music. And, of course, we also include selections, uh, requests, as it were, from the community. Uh, with both of our podcasts, it's really excellent of you if you can review and rate them on iTunes in particular. Um, but most importantly, just subscribe and download them. Um, you can also pick them up on places like Stitcher Radio uh, and possibly some other outlets to be confirmed, but mainly iTunes. Now joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, we have Brian Tarran. Hello. Jay Taylor. Hello. And James Carter. Oh. Hello. One and all. Sleeping Dogs is our subject, uh, a relatively new game by our standards, although it's not as new as perhaps I thought. You know, it's two and a half years old or, or something like that. Um, the definitive edition, although uh, is uh, though is only just a few months old. So the first thing we should talk about um, now, we know this is by United Front Games. Um, and uh, at some point it was uh, under the auspices of Activision. And during that time, uh, it, sort of the, wide, the widest known fact about... Uh, Sleeping Dogs is that it was to be a true crime game, a game in the true crime series. Uh, it only took a little research to find an IGN UK article um, from uh, around the time. Uh, and Mike Scooper, or Scupper, I'm not sure about the pronunciation, and uh, Jeff O'Connell, two senior members of the crew on Sleeping Dogs, um, actually said that they were they'd already started work on uh, on Sleeping Dogs. It was intended to be an original IP. Then at some point it was absorbed within Activision's auspices, um, became true crime Hong Kong, and then again at some point was ejected out of Activision's auspices. Um, I don't actually know what happened. Was it a an IP? Well, I presume Activision, do Activision still have the true crime brand? I don't know. And uh, I don't actually know what sort of what happened to see it move away from Activision and end up being bought by Square Enix. Well, the, the news at the time was that uh, they didn't think it would make its money back, basically. That's and right. It wasn't, rings at, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't at the point. It wasn't in a releasable state, according to Activision, and they didn't want to spend any more time and money on it, so they just let it go. But then the de- developers were of the opinion that it was playable, just needed a bit of tidying up, and uh, then it landed on Square Enix's plate. This was Interesting. A, a, not dissimilar a time to when uh, you may remember Activision dropped a large number of games, including uh, Brutal Legend. That's right. I don't think it was a part of those that one group where I think seven games just got axed. Um, but it, it was around that sort of time. Sort of 2009, 2010. Yeah, this, sort this, of this, era. this was uh, a little bit later than that. Okay, but they were making hay and money with Call of Duty and probably still Guitar Hero at this point. Just about, and, yeah, absolutely. That was right back then. Yeah. Yeah. Or Tony Ride, Tony Hawk's Ride. <laughs> yeah. Killed that as well. 
So in the end, according to uh, our one and only resource for this sort of thing, VG Charts, um, the game across five formats has sold 2.27 million copies, um, mostly, of course, uh, as you'd expect on PS3 and 360. Um, but the Definitive Edition has released more recently and, and is probably still selling. Recently, uh, hugely discounted on, on the PSN store to uh, sort of $10 or, or le- um, slightly more perhaps in dollars and, and under £10. Um, but also the amount of people who must own this or have dabbled with this, played this in some way, must be fairly enormous because uh, as well as it appearing in, uh, I think it's appeared in some bundles, some you know some of the, the cheap bundles, not sure if, if a humble bundle, but that type of thing. Uh, it's also been given away both as a game with gold on Xbox 360 and as a PlayStation Plus uh, title yeah. on PSN, which brings us to our histories with the game. Um, Brian, did you actually pay good money for this when it first came out, or did you wait for it to be a, a darn freebie? No, I paid very good money for it, uh, and and I wasn't intending to. It was so I, you know, being uh, a regular reader of video game news sites, I was up on the uh, back and forth with Activision on the the state mm. of the game, uh, but the the use of the true crime. Uh, branding or the, the the insinuation that it was going to be a true crime game yeah uh put me off i just thought well <laughs> it, you know uh, it's probably just another rubbish or subpar uh open world game that i'm not really going to want to play but there was something in it i think it was the the setting uh it, the 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 film trilogy infernal affairs was mm-hmm. sort of ringing in my mind when i was i was looking at it but it wasn't until I think after Square Enix picked it up and they were quite uh, positive and uh, encouraging of, you know, the things that they said about the game, as you'd expect the publisher to be, but they were quite open in showing some demos and some big chunks of the game and the different sorts of things you could do. There was one mission in particular that they showed from start to finish on, uh, on YouTube or Eurogamer, I think I might have seen it. And at that point I was just sort of hooked on it, really the different mechanics in the game which we'll come on to talk about but i thought this looked this looked like the kind of game i could i could enjoy so you played it and finished it and uh yeah was, we, uh, we've talked to you before about these sorts of games um you don't generally seem to be somebody who does the extras did you go for any did you collect you know it's got the usual open world collectibles and missions and things did you did you go for much of that or was this straight to the end of the story and boom i'm out of here <laughs> No, you know, actually, well, I actually thought the um, collectibles were quite well tied into the to the story of the game for this one. So I did quite a lot of them. Uh, so I, I didn't. I, there, there wasn't the. Um, I didn't. I didn't a hundred percent it, but uh, played enough. Played enough where I thought I, I felt I got all the story experience out of it. Mm. Uh, so I put a good few hours into it, and then ahead of the podcast, I saw the definitive edition for under twenty pound on Amazon. Mm. So I, I picked it up and played through it again. We'll talk about uh, we'll talk about that later. Which version uh, did you play to completion in the in the first place, though? So three sixty first, and then PS four. Okay, Jay, what about you? Um, I yeah, I came into this when it was given away as a PS Plus game. Um, I mean, before before I actually had a copy. I mean, I, I, this is going to be a running thing, isn't it? I was around at yours one time and watched <laughs> you play in it. <laughs> And it was, oh, that's right. Yeah, you had a little yeah, go. You, you were driving yeah. the car into the water all the time. Yeah, the insurance job early yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. And it was, um, you know, it looked all right. It, it looked interesting enough. And it, and it was probably that that made me think, oh, well, you know, at some point, well, when they gave it away, I'll play it because I was like, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, why not? 
Indeed, um, yes. And how much do you would, did you say uh, you played it? I know you know you tend to be a very narrative led person. Did you play it through on easy? I, and yeah. Quit, now, funnily enough, I, I'd, I'd gone back to it this week because I thought I, as a, we were talking about it on um, when we were on Skype the other night, which was that I'd still had to finish it. Uh, and what I'd realised is how long I'd been saved because uh, my last save was of about fourteenth of June last year. Right. And so from that point, I hadn't even looked at it um, until this week when I decided to sort of finish it up. And it was, yeah, I, I guess, as I'm, I'm sure I'll elaborate more as, as the podcast goes, but it's, it's, I found it a little forgettable at times, uh, so, so much that it never really fully got its hooks into me. Um, to the point where I had to complete it. You know, what usually, I, I guess there's a lot of games that do this where you you put them down and then forget about them for months on end and then realize that you've not seen the end. So you go back to it and sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Fortunately for Sleeping Dogs, I mean, plus the fact that I had to finish it for the podcast, it was like, okay, let's get it done. But it's, but um, mm. yeah, it, 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 yeah. I'll, you know, I'll elaborate further as we yeah. go, I think. But Naturally, yes. Now, James, uh, we may as well uh, let the, the listeners in. It was actually going to be Josh on this podcast, but real life has gotten in the way, and James is a late substitute, so he may be slightly hazier than the rest of us, uh, primed and prepared for this podcast, but uh, we're nonetheless extremely grateful for him stepping in. So uh, when did you play this? Did you pay money for it? What version did you play, etc.? cetera? Uh, up until about... Two minutes ago, I would have sworn I played the PC version at launch. I'd convinced right. myself that was one of the first games I got when I got my gaming PC, but then yeah. I realized I didn't get my gaming PC until a year after it came out. So it was the 360 version I had. Okay. <laughs> Literally just listening to you guys all talk about it to try and piece it together in my in my mind. Um, it's a, uh, a strange one because I, I don't remember hearing much in the build-up to this game's release at all until people on podcasts started talking about it i guess yeah. um and and at that point there was a lot of the oh this was a true crime game uh, i think i'd probably heard when cancelled and and then when uh, again podcasts or websites would have mentioned it being picked up by um by square enix and being sort of uh, rebranded at that point uh but around the time of release there was getting a lot of buzz and people were talking about you know uh, Grand Theft Auto, but with Batman's combat and Wheelman's car-to-car uh, traversal and that sort of stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. It started to sound like a lot of people, it was it was getting a lot of buzz along the lines of, this is kind of a best of, this is, uh, at the moment, the, the best that the Grand Theft Auto style of open world games has had. And, and literally people were talking about it like that uh, back at release. I don't know if any of you guys remember, but it was very much a, this is showing up. Grand Theft Auto 4, even at that point. And obviously, 5 then came along and, and did its own thing and turned the tables on on many other uh, imitators. But um, but it piqued my interest. And uh, like Brian mentioned, uh, I'm, I'm not an aficionado of Hong Kong cinema by any stretch, but what I've seen of it, I've really enjoyed. And one of my favourite series is, uh, is in the Infernal Affairs series. So when people were talking about the story and the setup for the story of the game, um, Immediately, I thought, "Well, this is this is the first Infernal Affairs film um, with a backdrop of the second, with a much wider sort of, um, you know, Hong Kong uh, mob and and that sort of thing going on." Uh, so that 
just immediately was that that seemed like an interesting setting to put this style of if we want to call it a, a grand theft auto style of game um it seemed like an interesting setting for that one that um one that i suppose like um red dead redemption when it came out people were saying wow it's great to have a game that's this style of game but in a different setting because we see it so often in an, a modern day urban setting mm. that's just the 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 convention um and so to put it in Hong Kong, where yes, modern day and urban, but culturally very different. Uh, potentially, the, the story being told and the, the language, frankly, would would potentially be different. Although, obviously, in English, but the backdrop to it all is is very alien in that way. That uh, a game that's based on a, a city that's like New York wouldn't be. Um, mm. That would be very familiar to anyone who's seen films. So. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot about the sort of, I guess, in the couple of weeks before release, a lot about the buzz kind of just piqued my interest, and so I, I grabbed it on day one, um, on on three sixty, and and played through it fairly rapid fire. I seem to remember sort of only a week or two, and I I sort of played nothing but that. I just wanted to soak up as much as I could of it, um, and I have since picked it up on PC. It was one that when I did get my PC, I wanted to see it, and uh, it was in that sort of not late generation, but it was getting to the point where it was kind of able to do more on PC than perhaps it had on Xbox. And so I picked it up then and, and played through, I think, about a third of the game through again back in about 2013, about a year after release. Yeah, I remember the, uh, indeed, the word of mouth uh, was strong. And I think it was a game, my perception is that it was a game that actually did well by it, from the fact that its reviews were not completely over the top stellar i think it's one of those games uh you know reviewed average average scored between sort of 82 and 84 percent kind of all round mm. and i think therefore people weren't going into it with the same sort of level of expectation as with you know one of you know gta 5 not that i'm saying that's had particularly had a backlash although i did you know i still have seen people recently when talking sleeping dogs saying it's so much better than any you know gta obviously you know that's their their opinion they prefer it um but i think um it, yeah it was definitely a game that sold as much by um you know peer uh review as um as as press review and then the fact that the press reviews weren't so you know astronomically off the charts meant that people went into it thinking well this will be fun and mm -hmm. then when they have fun and that's confirmed i think people are tend to be more positively disposed um towards it yeah. uh i i bought the game i think um maybe a month or two after release uh, maybe it was even in the run-up to christmas the game actually uh launched the first time uh in august 2012 um i have a feeling i bought it in like a pre-christmas sale at game on the 360 for sort of 20 quid or something i played that version a little bit um, and then that was the time I got a games-worthy PC. So I traded that version in and um, and picked it up in a Steam sale, I think, for, for a uh, not-too-crazy uh, price. Since then, of course, I've got the game again on PSN and, and, uh, and 360 with download free downloads from subscriptions. Um, haven't played those. So for this podcast, I, I went and finally properly played through the PC version um, with the HD textures pack. Um, so I was able to play everything turned up to um, 
extreme or ultra or whatever, which is nice. Um, but that did have some effect on the frame rate. So um, if I wanted to play at 60 frames, I either had to turn some things down or you can lock the frame rate at um, 30, but have everything maxed out. So that's what I elected to do. There's some uh, conversation to be had about the quotes definitive edition and its console uh, performance uh, later on. Um, but and we'll yeah we'll we'll deal with that as and when. So uh, the executive producers, one Stephen Van der Mesh, uh, previously of the now defunct Radical Entertainment, and uh, the writers on the game. Sorry, the producers on the game. Um, Fer- uh, Jeff O'Connell, of course, of the True Crime series, uh, and Fergus Carroll, who um, was previously with Chrome, the uh, the uh, Brisbane-based studio responsible for some uh, Xbox 360 content, including um, the sadly uh, defunct, um, I can't even remember, Game Room, you know, the arcade, uh, the, the lovely arcade thing that didn't they didn't support in any way. So the design director is one, uh, Mike, as I say, Mike Scooper or Scupper, I'm afraid I don't know the correct pronunciation, uh, but he's perhaps best known for his work on Bully, or Carnis Carnim Edit, depending on which version you're playing. Uh, and then also we have on the writing duties, uh, Jakob Krarup, or Jacob, possibly, um, but I think it might be Jakob, um, looking at some of his uh, his producer credits um, for um, some quite obscure movie stuff, assuming this is actually the right person I'm looking at. But <laughs> uh, I The writers, that Jacob Krarup, uh, yeah. He also Crap, wrote Crap. Bully as well, yeah, didn't he? He was a writer on Bully, yeah. so it seems likely yeah. that's the right. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, and Tim Carter, uh, who's more of a, a kind of mainstream, more well, I don't know if mainstream is the right word, but a TV writer, and he's worked on the, uh, I think I've seen bits of this occasionally on some cable channel, the Mortal Kombat Legacy TV series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's now working on the Dead Rising TV series, so we'll see how that goes. As I say, for me, um, going into this game, I, I, I wasn't expect you know I wasn't going into it thinking right more true crime. Here we go, another true crime. Um, I think I think the thing that people had talked about the most uh, in in that that word of mouth peer review Twitter and uh, podcast type scenario was the combat was the thing. Um, but I remember my first impressions, uh, and and that is the hand-to-hand combat, by the way. Very specifically, uh, there you know there is there are sections with with shooting, and we'll talk about those. But actually, the first thing that struck me was um, when playing it, um, the PC version with the with the free downloadable high-res textures pack, was how this game very much uh, kind of looked like. I felt that Shenmue wanted to, but obviously couldn't, um, having only played that a couple of years ago for the podcast, and. Um, Going back to it now, after playing the PS4 version of GTA V, it actually, I have to say, it doesn't look quite so impressive, but it's still a pretty uh, pretty um, attractive rendition of a place I've never been, admittedly, Hong Kong. Anyone feel uh, immersed in, in, in the land from the off, or are uh, there any yeah, aspects absolutely. that... Um, uh, yeah, Upon starting it, yeah... Shenmue was was a big touchstone for me. I I played um, Shenmue before this, yeah, um, yeah, and uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, in in my mind. Uh, I think the thing that that struck me was you get more of a sense that it's a modern game by virtue of waypoints and extra bells and whistles that you get in modern games to try and help the player. Um, 
but that opening the opening scene is it is an opening scene i think where you're walking through the market and you're getting introduced to the notion of buying food or drinks or clothes and that sort of stuff and you're just introduced to the city um that felt very much like a here's an open world game where you're not just straight into I guess the action almost, it felt like it was giving me the opportunity to walk around and just experience the city in a way Shenmue did. And that's why it felt so similar to that, that type of mm. game. I think. You're already being a bit of a, a, a scumbag quite early on though, because you immediately start shaking people down in your role as an, an undercover uh, cop. Yeah, you do, much. but it keeps you, it keeps the whole opening is quite small scale. It's very confined yeah. to a specific area. And I think that's possibly the, uh, where it becomes so immersive is that you're spending time going down the same alley alleyways and the market and the club and various different parts of the you know the docks and things like that. It it it, it helps you get acclimatized, I guess, to to this new and different world. And it, I think it is very evocative uh, of a, as you say of a place that I've I've never been to either. But it 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 captured what you see in in the cinema and in film. I think it did a great job of that before, obviously, you know, the whole, you know, multiple island uh, approach that most uh, open world games have, you know, before it opened up and got bigger and started introducing different areas, you know, you felt like you got to know the place and then it became quite homely and comforting to be (laughs) in that sort of environment. I think that's one thing that the game did better early on than I think a lot of open world, uh, you know, crime games do is that it introduced you to a place and a group of characters who you got to spend time with uh, virtually half the game, I'd say, these first main characters before they get sort of propelled forward into, uh, you know, the, the bigger leagues. And I think that works in its favour. James, uh, I know you're somebody who uh, has a real um, struggle to empathise and therefore enjoy spending time in the company of or acting as a uh, somebody who you would find horribly antisocial, mm. if not sociopathic, in real life. This is a game where you're supposed to be playing an undercover cop. Mm. Um, and I think, for me, I think so- something we definitely we need to talk about is how successful that is and whether, that, <laughs> whether that's something that should have been attempted. But how does this sit for you? Because basically all the people you spend time with in this game pretty much are scumbags, yep. criminal scumbags, some of them really Off violent scumbags. scumbags. Uh, yeah, and and some unpleasant cops as well. Um, I mean, the lead character, your 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 avatar, the, the the hero protagonist is is Wei Shen, who grew up in this environment uh, and therefore is the ideal man to go back to it as an undercover cop. But of course, you know, he's risking he's risking risking his very life. Did it make it easier for you to know that you were there doing the right thing, um, or did? Did it, as for me, sometimes unhinge the narrative by um, basically? I know it's the phrase; it's a it's it's a it's a pretentious buzz phrase, but I found that there was a lot of it, the ludo narrative dissonance, mm. playing as a cop, but also playing as as an undercover criminal because there was no way that you could avoid, you know, at points slaughtering police and and things like yeah, that, really, yeah. so. or, or even just accidentally running over someone in the street and, and Civilians, yeah. first time you do that as an undercover cop i imagine you're going to be in some trouble um yes. not having been in that situation i couldn't possibly say but no you're absolutely right um especially gang- gangster settings in in film mm. and in games i have a, a big struggle with 
Um, I think what this does is something, again, Infernal Affairs, nice touchstone here, because the fact that you are a police officer doing right means it's easy to play the good guy in the game in theory, but what the story also does, and that happens, as you say, from the very beginning, you're asked to start doing some very questionable things in order to maintain a cover. Or it all- Prove your loyalty as well to yeah. the, the, the big the big uh, dragon cheeses or yeah, whatever they're called. Absolutely. That's not yeah. what they're called. But. <laughs> um, but Brian's also right in the fact that this game had what felt like a, a small... Uh, considered opening to it and, and start, and almost, yeah, to the point of half the game. Uh, the other thing people always mentioned was how long you went in the game before you're given a gun, and it is significant that that happens, because I feel it speaks to the attitude of them wanting you to get to know the characters, and that includes some of the the awful characters, the people you're around, that by the time you get to the wedding scene you actually do feel sorry for these characters who are reprehensible. You shouldn't feel sorry for them, but it's great that you do, and it shows that they develop the characters not expertly, not in any way at the peak of what we've seen in video games as a medium, but well enough that some of the quote-unquote bad guys start to start to cross a sort of blurry line towards becoming much more sympathetic, or um, yeah. at least you empathise with them, and maybe that's uh, maybe that's because your character is doing some pretty horrible things too, and if you put yourself mm. in that mindset, it's easier to accept the horrible things others do. It's not quite uh, Stockholm Syndrome, but any time you yeah. see uh, an interview with uh, a documentarian, uh, whether it's Louis Theroux or even Sir Trevor MacDonald or something, they spend time with these people, or Ross Kemp, mm-hmm. um, and they always come out of it saying, well, you know, Ultimately, if you get to know them, you find that they are, you know, most of them aren't psychopaths. Exactly. Uh, they are human beings. They they do have motivations and justifications for their actions. Um, I mean, there's, you know, in, in, in the classic uh, gangster movies, there's usually the, the maverick, the the outlier, the, the Joe Pesci character who is completely off, you know, yeah. basically uh, insane. Pa- well past um, the but line, actually, yeah. yeah, but most of them are actually, even though to us they're, they're, their behavior is antisocial, they... They feel that they 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 can justify their lifestyles by their um, due to the lot that life has handed them, or the way the rest of the world works, or or, or you know, a that creeping sort of uh, loss of morality or change of morality, I should say. That's it. Yeah, morality yeah, is not yeah. cent or zero. It's it's a different perspective due to the life yeah. they've led. And I think the pro- the problem I often have is um, is glamorization it literally comes down to that and that's a very Mm. subjective obviously a very subjective thing but uh where sometimes these things are glamorized i think possibly due to setting and and possibly due to the way that characters and narrative were handled in this game it didn't seem to be glamorized it seemed like everyone as you said Hmm. everyone both sides of, of whatever line we're talking about the line being the law essentially um, Interesting. Both sides, I don't think, are glamorized. I think you're right. They're reprehensible people doing reprehensible things on both sides, and they're also empathized slightly enough. But you see, where the game falls down for me mm. in that respect is it, it's not so much that it glamorizes it, but the tone veers so wildly. And actually, some of my favorite moments are when the tone is much lighter, but it is a bit odd, I find, when you are going from... There are a few scenes that are actually quite horrific, really quite unpleasant torture and, and things like that, but then you'll come out of it into a into a very much lighter, almost um, kind of 
somewhere between John Woo and Jackie Chan sort of fights. And as some of our correspondents will attest to later, you're doing things like impaling people on swordfish <laughs> and uh, these sort of very creative, highly stylized, but ultra violent things, which I, I had fun with those. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to lie and say I didn't, but it didn't quite sit uh, right with me with the, with the, the supposedly kind of quite gritty um, yeah. undercover the, the cop drama. Thing. No, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you on that. I, I had a real problem with the way that it sort of, depicted the characters i mean you say that it didn't glamorize but i kind of felt that it did and it was very one-sided it glamorized the triads it didn't glamorize the police the police for what they were in the game which is to my mind the whole kind of police mission thing is so throwaway to, to a certain degree anyway but you, you got the impression that you know two of the cops of the three that you kind of deal with throughout were kind of backstabbing untrustworthy anyway Mm. And and the only one that was um, that came off was was a female detective. Yeah, but it, it was the way that like the triads were split. They're either absolutely abhorrent, caricature, perverted, sort of uh, gross, grotesque sort of characters, or they were like the sort of um, loyal righteous kind of criminal mm. scum if you will <laughs> yeah. you know they had this you know they'd live by the code and all the rest of it and you had the character like ricky who you know is is and 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 he's um the main character's sort of best friend jackie who they had these kind of you know kind of they were meant to be likable but you couldn't help but think like why why should i care but it's just I don't know. I, I, I mean, know. I think it was just, it was all over the place in terms of its tone anyway. It's like you were saying with violence. It's, it's, it's so over the top in the violence and, and graphic. I mean, at one point in one of the fights, I threw this guy over and, and impaled him on, a, uh, on a, a broken pipe. And you're kind of thinking, really? And I'm covered in blood while I'm doing this constantly. Oh. I'm like dripping. It's like Dragon, uh, it was like Dragon Age Origin style. Like you're coming out soaked from head to toe every time you have a fight. And it was just like, I don't know. I found, when I first started playing this, I was thinking it was like, this is these guys' answer. This is um, their answer to the Yakuza games. Yeah. You know, and it's, it, it, in, in all honesty, I think the Yakuza games do it better. Um I mean, there is over the. T they are ridiculously over the top, but their tone remains fairly consistent. A, there's no kind of um, no um, issues of conscience while you're playing. You are always a yakuza. There's no two ways. You are that is what you are. That is what you do. Admittedly, you play a yakuza that runs an orphanage for children but <laughs> yeah. nonetheless you know and and the fighting is ridiculously over the top with with these you know extreme kind of quite you know cringeworthy super moves and stuff but they ne and the, but there's no blood most of the time and you know although it's violent it it's just kept on the right level of of kind of OTT rather than this which you know, like you say, five minutes, five minutes after the first fight. And I'm thinking, there's no way this makes any sense. Like, I've just murdered three people. <laughs> and it's like, you know, that one of them has a knife. You take the knife off him, you stab the hell out of everybody and walk away. And it's just like, well, I'm supposed to be a cop. What the hell? 
It's yeah, just they it's, yeah. They didn't manage that very well. I think that's the, that's the problem. They do a great job. I would agree with James that they don't glamorize. I'd say they romanticize the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. group of characters that you hang around with to be, to begin with, and you mm. they want to create a bond between you and them. So it underscores Wei Shen's, you know, the pull of the the triad against the police. But they don't the whole undercover cop thing. They just don't they don't earn it really in terms of what in terms of what the missions have you do. There's mm. no. Uh, you go from infiltrating to being part of the family and uh, being sent on errands, and then occasionally, mm. you know, you meet up with your handler, and he tells you, you know, you're getting in too deep. You need to pull back. And uh, there's they try it, they touch on it, but they don't ever have. Mm. They never show you the conflict outside of a cutscene. You never have choices in a mission that might dictate how deep you want to go with mm. With, mm. with the triad. They never put you in a position where you're likely to get caught, and if you do get caught. You you know it's game over and you have to start again. Start the mission to do it correctly. So there's they, they I think they dropped the ball on that in that they they wanted to give it a a unique spin on the on the sort of open world crime drama, but they 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 didn't really have the mission structure to back it up. I, I agree with what Jay is saying that tonally it is uh, or it does seem or can seem all over the place. Uh, the, the, I think the thing that kept me more or perhaps a little more on point with that was. Um, how much it was leaning on cinematic reference, uh, particularly Hong Kong cinema, um, and some of that is, you know, ludicrously violent. John Woo's films can be pretty darn violent, but yeah. then immediately just not slapstick Jackie Chan style comedy. But there are scenes in Hard Boiled that are played for laughs uh, amongst world, you know, bullets everywhere and and blood pretty much everywhere. It does sometimes stray into the more. I suppose it's more uh, Japanese style of action film, which can be some of them particularly gory and still played for laughs. It, it, it does go into that almost ludicrous side of of it, stuff like Itchy the Killer or something like that, which is uh, say it's played for laughs. I think it is supposed to be, but it's kind of it ends up seeming uh, it can be very jarring, I suppose. Um, mm. But I think it is it, it is supposed to be or it is trying to have its cake and eat it with trying to represent a lot of different aspects of Hong Kong cinema, and whereas Infernal Affairs certainly has its moments of uh, dramatic violence, it's not really ever trying to play for laughs. So to, to have that and also want the John Woo sort of uh, action, mm. action uh, film style as well is, is a little hard, and I think that's maybe where it... I see why they did it, and yeah, I agree. It, it doesn't always uh, always hit particularly well, or it's a difficult line to tread, I suppose. It's a traditional traditional pitfall of video games, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, to not maintain maintain tone very well, and sometimes it, it can work, and it will work for different. You know, sometimes it will one game will work perfectly for somebody, and, mm-hmm. and not work at all for somebody else. For me, it, it wasn't ruinous. You know, I, d- I did end up overall having fun with the game, but you know, in terms of um, you know, sort of rating it as a as a as a piece of work i think it's it is a problem um i've realized i haven't uh, issued our customary spoiler warning i'm sure most people listening now know that we we do spoil the plot um i don't think uh there are uh, there are any major surprises in the way the plot plays out is that fair i mean, i think um anyone who's seen these kind of things before will have seen the um not spectacularly uh surprising twist coming towards the end i mean the 
the the story plays out as you'd expect things escalate um a war between gangs you're kind of heavily embroiled as we've already suggested you um you uh get close to some of the people you're involved with of course the one that you like the most um gets killed horribly and in the end it turns out that um that uh, the superintendent is has been playing you all along and he's the, he's the worst of the worst tom tom played by tom wilkinson who i think's a fantastic actor but um, a complete waste of time in this to be honest yeah <laughs> he's not <laughs> that, the only that, one there, i mean that, i gotta yeah. say uh, i mean i have an issue with with them because i saw when this game came out i saw them mentioning you know starring the voices of tom wilkinson and, and emma stone and, and and it's like Really? Like, I, at this I have point? something I particularly want to say about Emma Stone and the other uh, women you can mm. date in the game, but carry on. But, it, it, I mean, Tom Wilkinson's performance, I mean, he's a great actor. He's been in some great movies, but really, uh, in terms of this particular performance, it's as wooden as hell. I mean, it, it sounds... I'm assuming when I, when you see it, there's some... You get the sense that some of those uh, cutscenes are motion captured or performance captured. I don't know if they did the voices at the same time, but there's definitely motion captured. But yeah. the the Tom Wilkinson's performance sounds entirely disconnected to everything. Like when when he's having a conversation, it just it there's there's something that tell you when you hear it, it just doesn't sound right. It feels like that was recorded then and that was recorded then and then they put it together and it just. It's an awful performance. It's so unenthusiastic. There's no life in his voice when he's doing this. And you Has think, he done other uh, video games? Not I think he's done some animation, hasn't he? He's done some cartoons, um, you know, feature-length uh, animation, I think. But I'm not sure he's done any other games. Um, um, I, yeah, I think he, he, looking at the IMDb, he's done like the Gruffalo's Child, which is um, he's, he's just down his voice on that. So, you know, mm. maybe, but, you know, and the Gruffalo um, before that. But... Um, not a mass- voice acting is a different skill and a yeah. lot of casting in games and animation forget that they think you know a good actor is a good voice actor well that's not always true no, he has done a video game looking through this um, Batman Begins video game Carmine oh, Falcone oh, uh, <laughs> he's play, playing yeah, the characters in yeah. the films yeah but but yeah I mean it's I just feel with as I've said this I'm sure this has been said before on a podcast where we've <sighs> Having these named well-known Hollywood actors brings nothing to the table. It really doesn't sell games. Why they seem to think that having their name on the cover will make any difference whatsoever. It's like, I'm a massive House of Cards fan. That doesn't mean I rushed out and buy Call of Duty Advanced Warfare because Kevin Spacey's in it. I couldn't care less. It- yeah, but but with a lot, I mean, at least with that, they kind of did a lot of the promo stuff around having this this character that both looked and sounded like Kevin Spacey yeah, yeah. in it. Whereas with games like this, you say it's on the box. Well, it often isn't. I, mm. I wouldn't have known that Tom Wilkinson and Emma Stone and Lucy Liu and um, I mean, not not all the other not all the other uh, actors in mm. this are, are, are as well known. But there's a lot of um, well, as you'd expect, a lot of Chinese uh, actors. That's um, something that I was really impressed with was the general casting is unusual in that it's it's like 90 percent asian actors yeah and in some cases some very well-known asian actors and horribly underused in their in their performances Mm. like there's um an actor and i better get his name right but he's been in like uh his name's chin han and he you you, most 
most you, likely going to recognize him. Yeah, and you know, and and the you know, and you think this this guy is like a huge actor in 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 China, mm. and yet woefully underused. And, and the thing, and maybe that's a costing thing, which is another issue I have with when you bring in all these voice actors, named actors as voice actors, is how much extra does it actually cost? Because you've got, I've got to say that you know, yeah. it's got to def- undoubtedly cost more to get some of these people in. Than it would just to hire a voice actor. Oh, for sure. Um, for yeah. people like Emma Stone and, and uh, Tom Wilson, it, it felt like they only had enough money for like maybe twenty lines or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Because certainly on my second playthrough, I, I'm, Emma Stone cropped up, and I completely forgot that you have to use your mobile phone to phone them up and mm. take them out <sighs> on dates. So I was just like, I didn't realise her part was this small. Mm. I remember well, it being small yeah. anyway, but this, you know, it was literally one scene. On and that, that and, was on and- the. Publicity. Yeah, absolutely. And on that, that's what, what I wanted to say was uh, there are three characters, I think, that you can date. Is that right? Um, that that have an extra bit where you can, as you say, bring up your mobile phone in the style of GTA 4 that where they, you know, they mm. tried to explore that concept. And um, you could there were various different people in the game. Well, in this, there are three different women that you meet, uh, you know, as you go around um, and each of them. There is just one date scenario with each of them, I believe, or is it two? It might, it's, it's one or two that you, you twice you can see them. Um, and so you, ha- you feel like you're getting to know them um, and, you, you know, you have a date and you do some, you know, silly non-crime stuff like taking photographs and stuff like that and you have a conversation. And then at the end of the date, it's uh, without showing anything, it's strongly implied that you have sex with them. I mean, admittedly, your your avatar is astonishingly good looking, but um, uh, I think I'm not sure if he's actually uh, visually based on the guy who plays him. But I think Will Yun Lee is a model, so that it might be uh, it might be that. But then, so you you go you date Emma Stone, which you know seems like a reasonably appealing thing to do, and then you possibly shagger, but coyly, and then it goes right now. You can see some collectibles on the map. And that is it. That is that. That is it for the Emma Stone character and the other and the other characters, who are who are in this uh, purely to be dated, shagged, and mm. then cast aside to to so you can see collectibles on the map. <laughs> I just thought it was awful, just really really shabby. And um, instead, you know, I was looking forward to scenes where, you know, even if it even if it was as as cliched as damsel in distress type scenarios, at least have them come back into the story. But um, just just to be there to to you know to be flirted with, mm. shagged and cast aside for well, a for a for a basically a something yeah. on your power tree was just pitiful. I, I thought. Think more importantly, uh, those characters again to my memory, apologies if that's not correct. They're actually outside of the main thrust of this story. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Ah, so yeah. what an opportunity to show this character outside of the world that he has entered into. Um, we know his his background, a certain amount of it, that he left uh, Hong Kong and went over to America, I believe, and then came back because he he needed to come and do this, and he was the perfect man for the job, so to speak. But what an opportunity to see who this person actually is when not a cop and not a, an undercover triad member, cover cop as a triad member. Uh, yeah. And and if if this were a, a, a book or a, or a film, it, it would be the opportunity to see what this man could have made of himself outside of the situation he felt compelled to go and put himself in. And yeah, yeah, just no. 
you know, whatever glimpses you may have of that on the dates, they're they're gone because ultimately, uh, if if we could, if we attribute these side missions, which again, why should they be side missions? But that's what they feel. Um, if we attribute the result of those to this character, it actually uh, lessens his his character as a result. You know, you feel less empathetic yeah. because of the way he's acting, and and it's not something you choose to do. So. Yeah, I don't know if you're supposed to like fill in the gaps of the rest of their relationships. I mean, the fact that he, you know, if you want to get all the collectibles on the map unlocked, you have to go on these three different dates with three different women. And you know, fair enough, he's effectively single. He's not committing to any of them. So you could argue that he's not, you know, he's not doing the dirty on any of them. But but it just, yeah, it completely undermines any sort of any sort of sweetness there was on any of these dates because you just think, well, he's just, you know, he's just going to chuck her aside anyway. So there's no investment. And yeah, just doing it for, I mean, you know, I was, don't get me wrong, I was glad to be able to see the collectibles on the map. But, you know, and, you know, I'm sure in real life, if, if real life worked like that, then maybe, but I don't know. You know I often can still find, call them after. Yeah, I often find it better when I can just go and buy a, a map from a shop sometimes with those guys. It's just far <laughs> yeah. easier. And in real life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, a strange one that, and and also another thing about the the, the voicing I, I wanted to mention was, um, and this may be entirely me and and my ignorance. Um, now, the thing, one thing I like about it is that you do hear as you as you wander around the streets, and as I say, visually, I think I think it's still pretty good. I think it's it's dated a little, even even playing the PC version cranked up, it's starting to look a little uh, like it's three years old, which is you know saying mm-hmm. something, but. Um, the voice, the voices, uh, as you go around, are a mixture of uh, Cantonese and English, because mm. obviously, because of the history of Hong Kong, and that's cool. But some of the uh, some of the NPCs who speak with with uh, speak English, but in a Cantonese, or, or sorry, in a Hong Kong accent, whatever that is, sound kind of comically caricature like to me, to my ears. Yeah, no, I, 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 funnily enough, I was moaning about this last night, and so I went on IMDb to check. And what's strange is they are the, played. They yeah. are played by Asian yeah, actors. Now they absolutely. may be American yeah. actors, but they're of Asian descent. Yes. Now, I was trying to think, like, when you hear, when you read, when I read this, I was like, then why would you sound like a white man doing a? a, a it sounds know? like a racist joke. Yeah, yeah, and it's a man. This yeah. is right. <laughs> And uh, well, Port Bun Man, yeah, and yeah. And, the, and 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 some of the rest, but yeah, he's he's a good, uh, yeah, he stands out. <laughs> I do wonder, as I say, I don't know if that's our sensitive, um, you know, PC ears worrying about that stuff. In the sense that I I wonder if if I wasn't so familiar with, um, you know, coming from the south of England, <laughs> if you heard if you heard Ray Winston in a game just talking as he normally does, you might think it was a hilarious over the top comedy, comedy caricature of a Cockney, but actually that is how, you know, some real East end type people speak. I've heard before Irish comedians who, who, you know, they're, they're kind of accentuating their Irishness and then it becomes almost like a, what sounds again, like a caricature, maybe in some, you know, some of the characters in father Ted or something like that. Mm. And, but it's not, you know, it's not aimed. It's not created with with offence aimed at at, no. uh, at people from those places. So, so I do wonder if 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 it is that. But, but certainly to my ears, there were times where I was going, really, that sounds like something out of the comedians in the nineteen seventies. You could imagine, you but know, I Stan, think what, Stan Boardman. What you get from that though is is is, is it, it, as kind of like with the story, it creates an uneven tone. 
Mm. So you, you've got moments where they're trying to, you feel they're trying to create um, some kind of not quite realistic, but uh, having an authentic vibe of the place. But yet, and then when you've got these sort of comedy voices, it, it, it throws you out of that. Then you start thinking, well, it's more like a cartoon at this point. And, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, you see, it's not, we see it in other games. The other games do exactly the same thing, you know, even, oh, sure. you know, and, and but it, yeah. Uh, well, we're here to, you know, yeah. we're here to talk about this game and what, mm. it, what we feel it does well and, and doesn't. So I think, you know, all the time it's happening, <laughs> then, yeah. then it's going to, it's going to come up. Um, I'm sure we'd be just as quick to praise it if we hadn't had those had those feelings. Uh, how t- talking of feelings on uh, audio matters? Uh, how did people feel about first the not the the license track first, but the 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 score by Jeff Timmershook? Um, I, I, I remember only there there only really being relatively small snatches of original music um, in between things, but. Um, it seemed to employ uh, the usual sorts of uh, sounds that you might expect from this sort of thing <laughs> set mm. in this sort of place. Yeah, the only memorable uh, part of the original soundtrack would be the... I only ever heard it when I quit out of the game. It was like this uh, Chinese hip-hop instrumental yeah. thing that played. And I, I quite like that. It was uh, quite distinctive and quite... Uh, evocative of the of the game and the style, but everything else was just. Mm. I, I remember little flourishes on completing missions and things like that. But mm. I mean, there's, kind of, there's all the radio stations, like sort of you know, as we're, as we're kind of used to with these worlds now, or, or most likely GTA and, and Saints Row. But they got whole radio stations full of tracks, and it wasn't until I got to the end credits, and then all the music credits started. And I'm thinking. These are famous artists. How? how mm. well, why, where? Where's all this music? You know, where is it all? And then well, I realised, yeah, it's in the car, and I wasn't listening to it. I, I, I don't know if it was the default volume was either so low that I wasn't paying attention to it anyway. If you if you hold the D pad to the left, it turns the volume down. So you might have done that early on, and then and it'll remember you're sitting mm. from car to car. But actually, the, one of the, I mean, I was I was specifically talking about the soundtrack there rather mm. than the license tracks. Mm. Um, but actually, I want what I wanted to say about the licensed music was how excellent I thought it was. There was a lot of really cracking tracks, um, including some really you know interesting choices. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, there's not quite as many as you'd find on um, you know a, a modern Grand Theft Auto game, but there well, are. They don't have the 170 million dollar budget for stuff. Exactly, <laughs> no. But you've got you've got uh, multiple stations yeah. with uh, multiple genres, from classical up to you know all the way through to classic pop. Um, and uh, there's a, there's a lot of tracks in there that you know that I music that I really like and some stuff that I actually uh, you know discovered through the game yeah. um, that uh, that I enjoyed. I um, will say, sorry, mm. I will say this game where I felt it was superior to the likes of Yakuza because in particular this this thing is uh, is in both games. Being able to go into karaoke and sing The Clash, I Fought the Law, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but again, that, that, see, those sequences were amusing and there was the one where you had to you deliberately do it really badly yeah. as a side quest and, and things like that. And they sounded funny and it, mm. and it, and it was a fun thing. But again, just the tone, you, yeah. could, you, know, you could come away from you know, walk out, walk, having walked outside and 
having gutted some people with a switchblade or something and then you know, just step in the bar and start singing karaoke. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. It just didn't didn't always... I, you know, gangsters got to let off steam as well. Oh, no, it's true. And and again, I'm thinking about a scene like that yeah. in a you know in a Scorsese movie um, or, or something like that. And I can imagine it almost working. But uh, yeah, but, it's but that 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 would be uh, with a lot of intent behind it, and it would exactly, be crafted yeah. in a way to make sure it felt. If it was supposed to feel jarring, it would feel deliberately jarring, and if it was supposed to feel authentic. Yeah. It would. Yeah, um, I mean, supposedly when the when the game was uh, under Activision's uh, umbrella, um, there was going to be a lot of Fifty Cent and JZ and uh, mm. <laughs> things like that. Um, but we ended up, I think, with actually a rather interesting and broad uh, set of tracks across. Yeah, there were there were mm. a lot actually looking through them that I never I never even got around to hearing, and it's kind of like a shuffle on an iPod. You end up hearing some of the same ones over and over again, but. Um, but I heard a lot, and 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 I liked what I heard. Certainly, um, yeah, there were some choices that I wouldn't have expected. Things like XTC and and mm. stuff like that. There's a lot of '80s music, though, isn't there? Is there a, maybe there's, there's one there's one station, yeah, which right. is yeah, kind of dedicated to uh, yeah, classic pop. You got Duran right. Duran on there, yeah. and um, is there a Queen? Tra- oh, it's deep it's probably Purple cheaper as well to get older than copyright. Fans. Yeah. Yeah, Queen are on there, the jam uh, and stuff like that, which, yeah, which I enjoyed. Um, But yeah, as I say, there was also stuff kind of outside of my normal sphere that that I thought was good. But uh, obviously the flip side to this is it meant you were in the cars. (laughs) I was just going to say, actually, I I remember feeling like you did, Leon, when when the credits started rolling, an awful lot of tracks I hadn't heard. And a lot of that was, was because... Yeah, I, I didn't feel the need to spend a lot of time in cars at all. Um, unfortunately, the 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 uh, from my point of view, I found the the driving model. I know, you know a lot of people um, were very negative about the the, the car modeling, uh, the handling in GTA Four. We talked about mm-hmm. that when we did that uh, some years ago, and and I always found it to be okay. I mean, not realistic necessarily, but fun. Mm-hmm. And it was a, um, it was a, a refined version of GTA driving. I- I thought to a certain extent it didn't feel off in any particular way. Yeah, and obviously, you know, you don't necessarily expect the cars in an open world game where you can also run about on foot and do, you know, martial arts to be as sophisticated as in even a, you know, even in an arcade style racer, maybe. Um, But yes, the cars, um, and again, some of our correspondents will will go into this, but the cars all felt pretty terrible to me. They Mm. felt... um, they had they didn't feel they didn't have suspension they didn't have exciting tail you know flipping not what's the word you know fish tailing mm. um drifting anything like that they all felt boxy they're just different degrees of slowness and um you know things like the the jumping from car to car was was fun but again in a more sort of uh, high concepty kind of way but um I also liked the feature of actually having a ram sideways button, even though it's kind of a nonsense. <laughs> um, it, it, it was quite enjoyable shutting down cop cars by actually hitting a bumper to kind of do a, a sideways lurch. Um, but yes, none of the kind of emergent joy that you you might get from starting up a police chase in a in a in a rival open world game and just watching the chaos unfurl these felt very rigid and mm. predictable and 
sometimes frustrating just because you couldn't get the brick-like cars to turn fast enough. And yeah, that, that's well, my feeling on it anyway. Yeah, I mean, the only time, the only missions that ever really, where I was like, oh, not again, was when you're chasing somebody and they jump on a vehicle, whether it's a motorbike or a car, and then you've got to chase them. And, and those were the few missions where it was like, infuriatingly you just ah yeah because i I, I didn't care realism be damned for (laughs) for for that i I just loved i mean the yeah it's not realism it's a lack of fun they just didn't feel fun to drive how how can hanging out of your car leaping from one to another you know pulling off tire shots (laughs) pulling off tire shots tire uh, shots were good i'll give you that uh, you know, hmm. in slow motion, high speed. Chase. It was brilliant, and yeah, just cause too. Yeah, I mean, I know that that. But I found the uh, the driving in that atrocious. But I'm not very good at driving uh, driving games anyway. But I I thought the the driving was serviceable, and it was in service of what I thought was a pretty good, pretty cool uh, action style uh, action movie style. See, I thought uh, that's mechanic. exactly where it failed in that the cars acted and felt like bricks in that what you want if anything is something that's more absurd more with 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 more suspension and more flipping and more uh, more of that yeah. sort of thing yeah i mean uh, the tire shots i definitely enjoyed the 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 leaping from car yeah. to car as i say had had a uh, had a brief charm but it's actually the 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 cars were so leaden and yeah unresponsive and and that that you couldn't have what i thought felt in any way like exciting movie car chases the idea uh, of those mechanics together was uh was great but I, I, yeah i didn't feel not because the mechanics were at fault but because just getting in a car seemed like that's things i wanted to do in, uh, the, I, the kind of game forces you into that as well though how many times do you get a mission and it's on the other side of the map well yes it yeah. is it is one you know it is a yeah, an open world mm. GTA clone, if you Spent will. Spent a fortune so, on cabs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, cabs are good. Yeah, but I think you can they, buy a huge library of cars and then never use any of them. Yeah, I think they needed to keep the. the there had to be uh, some inherent stability in in the driving model, though, because you know the, the amount of times I'd be, you know, driving down the one of the motorways, looking behind me, trying to shoot out a tire, and then the. Mm. It would go from slow motion to full speed again, and if it if you were able to you know you know hit a hit a barrier or another car and you'd go on a crazy spin and flip the vehicle and it blow up, I think over time that would get possibly tiresome. Uh, but if, that's if, what happens in certain other games, isn't it? That you know the cars the cars in GTA, for instance, are pretty you know pretty especially in five. You know, yeah, they're, but they're not asking you to shoot out. Uh, as you drive, are they really? And th- th- I think that they, their focus was. You can, more but on... I wouldn't advise. It's better yeah. when you're the passenger. <laughs> it is harder, yeah. <laughs> yeah, their yeah, focus see, is I more on wanting you to yeah. feel like you're, you know, you're, you're doing this one handed driving, shooting out tires. That, I think that was where their focus was on, less on the drive. So I'm enough. defending mm-hmm. the developers here. But no, I, th- no, no, I, I, I understand. I think it's just maybe what you come to it and what, what you wanted from it. Yeah, and, well, the, yeah. There's, there's a few missions where you're the passenger and you're asked mm. to shoot and protect the car. Those were the ones that I enjoyed because yeah. they took away the bit that I didn't like about the cars, which was yeah. driving them. <laughs> and so yeah, all I had to again, worry about was just shooting. But then again, you've got the mission where you. I mean, some sometimes it's rival gang stuff, mm. but sometimes I think there's one mission where you shoot, you must shoot about sixty cop cars. It's like the Blues yeah. Brothers or something. <laughs> and again, you're just thinking, 
some of these guys are dying. I, <laughs> yeah. I must have killed about 200 cops. You yeah. Know? In what scenario do you walk back into that police station a hero at the end of your mission? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is what I wanted to say. I know we're, we're, we're kind of going around in, in a slight circle here, but I, it, it struck me. I remember um, in the gap between Grand Theft Auto 4 and 5, there were a lot of people, I, I heard a lot of people on podcasts and Twitter and all the usual places that we interact with like-minded gamers these days, saying, wouldn't it be amazing if the character, this is before we even knew it was multiple characters, in Grand Theft Auto 5 was an undercover cop? And I think Sleeping Dogs ably illustrates why Rockstar didn't do that, because mm-hmm. it's really really hard to pull off while still keeping all the tenets of this sort of a game yeah oh well yeah yeah it does i mean by the like two thirds of the way through the game i pretty much stopped doing the cop missions because they just felt like they weren't part of the main story everything that i was doing felt geared towards the triad missions and so i stopped doing the cop things just because i was getting kind of fed up of going off on tangents all the time but then at the end of the game, and I know I'm jumping forward, but he, he kind of says, oh, you know, he goes to that Inspector Tang and, and thanks her for giving him those jobs because it helped keep him grounded. Yeah. But it, And it just felt so kind of odd to say this. Like, dude, how many hundreds of people have I slaughtered, especially at the end? I, you know, there are, like, bodies strewn from one end of the city to the other by the time I'm through with chasing uh, Bussy's name down, Big Smile Lee. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just, yeah, you just kind of, what the hell? But, yeah. Well, let's talk about something that um, certainly I felt uh, I, I heard a lot of people in praise of for Sleeping Dogs, and that is the uh, hand-to-hand fighting, not something that other games in this genre have ever been uh, known for, really, mm-hmm. uh, for doing exceptionally well. Um, so here you have got a system that people will uh, inevitably liken to um, the Arkham games, the Batman Arkham games, and uh, I suppose Assassin's Creed as well, in that you've got the uh, the timed counter prompt. I mean, the key thing is the fact that you can um, kind of move swiftly between uh, assailants with a fairly simple... Um, the, the, the game kind of reads what general control your direction in will kind of make up the gap between you and your uh, enemy um and also you know every every so often when surrounded by a gang someone will highlight depending on your settings i assume you can turn all that stuff off um if you want to make it pure and purest and prompt free um and then you will turn uh turn defense into attack sort of thing um i mean Apart from there were there were a couple of places that I never got round to actually um, liberating, as it were, such as it is in this game, which is where you um, clear out an area for um, so you can hack a security camera and arrange for an arrest. Um, there were a couple of areas in this that were really really tough. I found, yeah. um, but generally I did have a lot of fun with the chop socky kind of kind of fighting, mm-hmm. um, even when it did get too brutal. Um, I could justify when fighting uh, gang members, other other hoods, that that was my only way of getting out of that situation. I enjoyed it when uh, certain collectibles allowed you to return to uh, the gym, the dojo, to learn uh, wince-inducing moves. So I very much enjoyed the the sort of arm breaks and the and the leg breaks, which would make other. Uh, other hoods cower with with fear and wince in pain and stuff like that and and then yes there's the environmental stuff which 
from from the uh, disgusting to the ridiculous, from uh, putting people's heads into fish tanks and uh, into uh, extractor fans and <laughs> shutters, but also, as we say, impaling them on swordfish or just hitting them around the face with a giant uh, turbot or something. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I I enjoyed I enjoyed that element of the game a lot. It was uh, probably the, the the if you if you were to break it up into the aspects as we tend to do on this podcast, it was probably my favourite bit. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I I have a, a, a very strong love Arkham Asylum style combat. Um, not that I'm particularly good at it, I've got to say. Um, I seem to remember this feeling a little bit looser in terms of the timings. It was it was a little more forgiving, but Hmm. Certainly, by the time I got through maybe half of the CCTV spot fights, hmm. I I was starting to come unstuck often enough, yeah. and it felt like enough of a chore to then get back there and try and redo it. That I that I I was quite comfortable to say I've had my fill of these. Let's just yeah, by I that point in in the story, I'd got far enough on to see that through and maybe leave some of the side stuff. But no. How, how, how did you feel as as, as somebody who's uh, not generally pro violence to some of the finishers? Were were you doing what I was doing, which is grabbing them and then dragging them across the, like large car parks to just to find the next bin to throw them in or whatever? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, because because it made the fights arguably easier to yes. to have the finishers there. Well, not arguably at all. It made the fights easier to be able to finish off one or two people, and so Absolutely. it became a, a mechanic conceit, even if I was wincing sometimes it's just how <laughs> gruesome they were but um, engine block yeah yeah and and uh just ridiculous amounts of wanton violence uh certainly c- can be problematic but uh, i've i've enjoyed films like the raid in its sequel and and those yeah especially mm. the sure. sequel towards the end really go above and beyond the call of duty uh, in terms of uh, just how far they take some of the violence and and I, I was okay watching those without uh, without feeling it detracted from the uh, from the experience at all. So uh, far from so, it. Yeah. No. There's in a, in, yeah, in this case, it never felt quite as essential, almost as the, as the stuff in the raid does, because it is part and parcel of that that world and that and that film series, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it it didn't it didn't put me off at all. I think mechanically, it was it was satisfying enough. Uh, and that was part and parcel of the game. I think that some of the stuff in the cutscenes as well was was disturbing to me because yeah. of how close up and personal it felt. And I know that's odd to say when you're literally grabbing someone's head and shoving it in an extractor fan, but um, yeah, that that always felt because you were it was much more mechanical. Whereas the cutscene stuff, was, uh, you were given time to consider what was happening. I suppose. Well, the cutscenes were so pole faced as well, weren't they? They were so kind of you know. They took themselves so seriously. Yet when you're fighting a dozen guys, <laughs> there was just yeah, it's I don't know. I felt like a real yeah, badass doing all that stuff. Man. Yeah. I that was I got to say, the fighting is the reason I wanted to finish. The, I enjoyed playing the game. You know, it's just tough not to see that as as an action scene for a, a ridiculous action scene yeah. from a film. Yes, you know when when like right. the garage doors all open up and like six guys <laughs> run out of them with you know some branches in the you know tire irons or, or or knives or whatever and you're just standing there unarmed and it's like yeah bring it felt yeah. like you know proper Bruce Lee terrific, moment you know? it's uh, like terrific foley sounds for the fighting as well which yeah. is really important I think Brian 
Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I'm I'm with James and and liking the um uh the kind of Arkham two button combat uh system mm. and yeah w- w- when you do uh see a, a group of about ten people it is nice you just like just running in there grabbing one and you know tripping them over taking their weapon mm. you know it's it's quite I think it's quite diverse I think it, and and it gives you I mean it can it can feel simplistic. But I think as you progress and you unlock and you find the jade statues and you unlock new moves, it gives you different ways of approaching fights and different uh, yeah. tactics to try. And I think, and you definitely get uh, you get you get more competent as you go, and you and, it, and it, there's a nice uh, ramping up in the difficulty. I think, you know, just as you get to that point where they start introducing weapons and it and it mm-hmm. becomes easy and mistakes are punished quite quickly, you you get given the 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 tools if you like the or the skills to to start to sort of claw back and I really liked it I really liked the face meter that you can build up uh, to the point where you then just become virtually unstoppable don't you for a brief period of time I thought that was all really it was it was very very rewarding and very uh, sort of empowering I think as a hmm. as a player yeah it's um it, we should say to those people who haven't yet got round to to playing this um you don't sort of go you don't fly from one in, enemy to another in the same way that uh, batman does you know where no. he can obviously he can be justified because he's batman but he'll do these massive sort of 30 40 foot rolls along the floor with his yeah. cape swirling and it and it looks amazing <laughs> and it feels great in this it's quite it's surprisingly sort of grounded even though it, it is movie style combat and you know this one guy is you know he's too he's too good in a way uh, if you're playing well you know in that sort of bruce lee surrounded by by a, a group in in one of his classic films um it's yeah it's 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 like it's like batman and 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 the creed games in in yeah in that sense that when you get a flow going and when you do identify there's a lot of sort of quick visual identification of the type of enemy that's coming at you because um, there are big heavies that you can't throw and that's, you know, throwing is quite a crucial part. There are some who will always counter block and counter you. And so you've got to use certain particular moves on them. And yeah, like Batman, if you go into a group who are wielding guns of any kind and you get anything wrong, you're in enormous amount of trouble very quickly. Mm. Yeah, I think, um, you're right. It doesn't have some of the the more the more outlandish stuff of of the Batman. Not that it's it's bad in any stretch, but uh, it is almost superhuman. Some of the stuff that yeah. Batman doing, whereas this is much more the balletic style of uh, a John Woo action film than say the the more unbelievable stuff of of say Wushu Hong Kong cinema, which is the mm. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon side of wire work and all yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it does have that sense of being grounded, even though obviously one guy taking on 20 who have guns, etc., is kind of ludicrous, but there's enough about it. They, they rein it in just enough to give you that, he says, that feeling of incredible badass. So we all like that part for <laughs> sure. Uh, now the next, the next sort of single facet that we must uh, whip out and, scrutinize is the gunplay um i've heard uh different people say different things again correspondence coming up um 
I found it to be passable, uh, the shooting in this, cover-based shooting, um, decent selection of weapons, um, never got too frustrated with it. I thought some of the scenes, again, it was more more of the problem I had than the gameplay, which was, you know, not stellar, but enjoyable enough in a, you know, shooting guys over a wall, down a hall type of way that, that you know, is is still fun, I find, for you know, in a video gamey way, it was more when the scenes got too ludicrous with rocket launchers and blowing <laughs> up like 8,000, um, you know, triads in a, in a street. And you're just thinking, well, this, this is now, again, this has become a sort of hyper violent cartoon rather than a, um, rather than the thing it wants to be. Now I've got no problem with hyper violent, you know, video gamey games being video gamey and cartoon like, but again, it's the juxtaposition, the the crashing between the tones that is the issue for me. I thought the the the, the only real redeeming feature of the shooting was the bit where you vault over cover and it goes into slow motion and, and you can pop off headshots of... and things like that. Yeah. yeah, you've got a bullet time kind of uh, Red Dead or whatever, but in this game, that's right. You have to um, do a do a parkourish vault. That's right. We yeah. haven't talked much about the parkour yet. We, we'll talk a little about that as well. But um, yeah, that that yeah, I mean, that's there's that that slow motion conceit is used in yeah in in several key moments in this game. And what I quite like is I don't think there's any sort of pseudo justification for it either. It's just like no. well. It just goes slow mo because that's what it would be like if it was a film, and otherwise it'd be too difficult to look cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I never yeah. got attached to the the guns at all, though. I mean, the game isn't. It, it, you, I don't think it. I I didn't actually get. Um, no, you don't fire, get one for ages. Well, yeah, I didn't get a firearm constantly until the until you finish the game, and then there's one always in your. You get like a golden gun that's in your um, your apartment. Uh, that's, that's it. Right. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, it was just oh, there's a shotgun. Use the shotgun. Empty the shotgun. Right, drop that. Go and get another gun. You know, and it was just basically going cycling through weapons in those shooting se- uh, sequences, just picking up whatever's lying around and just using it effectively, and, and then moving on to the next thing. I thought you know, some of the shootouts were quite fun, though. Yeah. And I also like the way that you could, in certain situations, it would actually benefit you to, you know, put the gun away and mm. go back to the stuff that you're really good at and again you'd feel cool because you you were taking on like three guys with shotguns by kicking them in um yeah i think perfectly functional perfectly satisfactory shooting uh but there were a a few moments where it seemed obvious i needed to use a gun that i kind of wished the entire game was gun free that Mm. narratively Mm. doesn't work in in a world of criminals ultimately why would everyone be using knives and and crowbars when there's guns in the world it just doesn't make sense not to have that but part of me wished there was some kind of narrative reason why it could have just been all hand-to-hand combat the whole time yeah they did they did um keep it relatively uh you know to to certain sections as we say and um they were clearly much more proud and as a development team, I think they enjoyed the fighting more themselves. And so I right, think they rightfully knew. proud, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 But I, and I, then there is... Go on. I was just going to say, I think, I think given shooting was an inevitability, given the narrative they were going for, I, I think the shooting was fine. You know, mm. it did a good job. I think uh, this, this game came at a time when people were... Uh, 
not cooled on on Grand Theft Auto 4, but it was far enough away from Grand Theft Auto 4 that there was an opportunity for a game like this to come along and show that you can do hand-to-hand combat in that way, and, and Grand Theft Auto shooting wasn't yeah. Yeah. by any stretch. No, it's at always that, been... At that point, perfect. Yeah, yeah, so it was always was heavily criticised. To, yeah. to improve on it in a couple of ways and, and kind of show where Rockstar would then obviously take a step forward and, and come out with... Well, I think I, th- I think that's a that's a valid point because like when when it, it's all usually the case that we're always comparing these games to something that Rockstar have done as you'd expect to some of the after all they set the benchmark these days. So I actually think that there are things that Sleeping Dogs does that are more interesting than what Rockstar have done with the GTA games. So the fighting, for sure, I would love to have those kind of movesets and stuff mm-hmm. within the GTA game because the hand-to-hand fighting is problematic in, in Grand Theft Auto. It's very, very, yeah. uh, very rudimentary, isn't it? Yeah, try doing it in it, first person. Is it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, happening. Yeah. It's uh, but. Um, but also, I, I, you know, the, the little touch that I liked was the... And before we get into fights, I made a... Once I realised this is how it works, so this is what I do before I go into missions and fights and stuff, was, you know, the little um, go and have a cup of tea and it, you get, yeah. like, regeneration for a while or eat this and you get, you know, a little bit more. That stuff was awesome because you would just go around to quickly to the vendors before you take a mission on and then you're kind of prepped, if you will. And I thought that stuff was kind of cool as well and really, you know... There's a trophy slash achievement for uh, eating something like, is it a dozen or, or more different kinds of food and drink throughout the game? Because there's all these different shops and stalls yeah. with uh, energy drinks, candy bars, pork mm. buns, uh, and other, other things like that. Yeah, yeah. So it, you actually, if you go like if you go down some of the market areas and stuff like that and find different... I also started finding just completely apropos of nothing... Um, I just started, you know, I was just down like a, a, as you get different apartments throughout the game, although the whole city's unlocked from the start, as is the way of these things these days. But I ended up, yeah, like a beachside market. And then it was like, do you want to buy this bird cage? And suddenly I bought a bird cage (laughs) for inside my house Um, and, uh, and, and various things like that. So there's, there's some weird sort of, um, uh, you know, customize your crib kind of stuff, but very limited and kind of n- completely unadvertised as well. Mm. So literally the first I knew about it was just, and I quite like that, the, the way it was so organic. There was no, I mean, it had this, you know, it had the sort of uh, absurdity of them just saying, all right, we'll deliver that to your house tonight. Mm. It's like, you don't know my address, do you? you but I quite enjoyed that. That was quite funny. But yeah, there, there seemed like a few ideas in there, like the dating thing and and like that, that were... You wonder if they were, when they were first specking the game out, they're going, and we'll have this, and we'll have that, <laughs> and we'll and we'll and we'll mm. let you do this and that and the other, and then they get scaled back because it was a relatively, you know, relatively small team and studio compared to mm. some of its rivals. Um, yes, and then there is the there is this game does have sort of um, sort of free running in a in a Assassin's Creed esque style, but it. Um, it, it's it's sort of quite heavily advertised in the prologue right at the start of the game, but then really it only sort of crops up in fairly specific. Spe- it really only crops up in fairly specific um, sections, I would say, throughout the game. That in in kind of obviously designed courses, it doesn't feel like there's a there are areas that you can sort of. It's it's I wouldn't say it's like um, you know running around the rooftops in 
Assassin's Creed or anything. There's there's very little of that. There are a few extra places you can you can discover, but unless unless I missed a load of exciting opportunities. Uh, so this game got uh, a whole stack of DLC, which I imagine is why um, it, as much as anything, why it came so readily to uh, games with gold and PSN. Now I haven't bought anything, and normally when they're called things like pack, uh, <laughs> and they cost one pound nineteen or one pound ninety nine, you think. What am I actually getting? Now, this game has some quite fun uh, dress-up and outfit opportunities in with with a rather interesting uh, element that, again, I don't think I'm unaware of other games having done, which is that if you wear certain outfits and certain combinations of items, you will get bonuses uh, to your other other qualities as a human being. Um, So I assume a lot of these packs are clothes? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, the high roller pack, the red envelope pack, the top dog gold pack. Oh, some of them. Um, some of them are cars as well. Red envelope pack. I seem to remember actually gave you points that could go into either cop or it was actually some essentially XP. Uh, Those collectibles, yeah, twenty envelopes each stuffed with fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, so it was. Hmm. Yeah, there was stuff like that. Um, I think you could buy packs that would that would give you XP to unlock some of the. Sort of later game stuff earlier, and then there was the envelopes with money, and so there was that kind of stuff. It did, it did kind of tread this line of, well, here's some stuff that wouldn't break the game, but made it easier. I seem to remember there was a bit of a, you know, tiny minor Ferrari about that, as there was because I think at the time probably there would have only really been racing games where you could unlock a bunch of cars early. You know, fond of the shortcut packs and whatnot. Mm. Um, yeah, there there are packs of cars and things like that. But there's yeah. also there's a free DLC which was uh, given away and still given away, I think, called Ghost Pig, um, which uh, is uh, is a, is a a, um, a fedora hat, a straw hat, and a sheriff's hat. Uh, what, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't so know. in 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 playing the definitive edition, there were bits in the game that I didn't recognise from yeah, the first you time got around. Year of the Snake and. Oh no! no I didn't of... touch it. I didn't touch the actual oh, add-on okay. content. I'm just. Uh, I'm thinking some of the vendors you can go to. Uh, like oh, okay. I could buy a uh, Rico from Just Cause Two outfit and uh, Agent Jensen from uh, Deus Ex. Okay, Human uh, yeah, Revolution. Other Square Enix properties. Yeah, yeah the, all that the, sort of the thing. Rico, the Rico thing is in the PC um, version oh, right, that okay. I've got, which isn't the definitive edition. But um, yeah, there's also some Valve-related stuff on the Steam one, as you'd expect. Um, in, in terms yeah, of... there are. There are a few little um, mission. There's, the Year of the Snake add-on is like the most expensive add-on there is for the game, and that actually has some mission stuff. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I read up about them. I was I was tempted to play through them, but the reviews were, were pretty poor on them. And certainly, the Year of the Snake they they have it's a follow-on from the end of the story, and they have you playing as as, as a police officer full time. But uh, it took oh. away a lot of the interesting combat mechanics because obviously now you're back being a police officer you can't be impaling people on on swordfish hmm. anymore uh, can you not no no apparently not it's, it's frowned upon but <laughs> the, the, the one bit of dlc i did enjoy was there's a, i mean it's it completely busts apart that game's any pretense that the game has to being a serious crime drama yeah. you get to you have to go on missions to collect like a super spy car for this character and the car basically oh, right. is like an emp pulse that can disable other cars and if you if you crash into nice. any car it literally the car the other car blows up 
uh, in the space of a few seconds. I, I mean, it's great fun driving around the highway, just smashing into cars and like, leaving a trail of explosions behind you. But So if you play the definitive edition, you get all this, you have access to all this stuff from the off, so it kind of changes the nature of the game in a way. Uh, um, I, I was thinking maybe, like, it, you could say, in the same way we've talked about the Silent Hill games recently, where the first playthrough is you know, miserable, scary and all that. But then by the time you've played it through six times, you've got a laser gun and you're wearing a, a bikini or whatever. Um, I suppose you could see it like that. But if you come in from the off and you've got, you know, spy cars with the MPs available from the start, it kind of it makes it a bit more Saints Row than and a bit less Infernal Affairs, perhaps. From what I, from what I played of it, it seems to be, I mean, you might, be able to go and buy that car and add it to your garage but that the car was restricted to missions and those missions appeared right. about two-thirds okay. of the way through uh so it didn't it, i mean it didn't entirely uh sort of break the game structure but it, it you could see that it was it wasn't it was definitely not part of the original the original well, i mean you could probably go to your wardrobe uh straight away in the definitive edition and wear you know sort of saints row ridiculousness oh, yeah. outfits yeah yeah well yeah, if you sure. if you had the money for it i think they were quite expensive the legendary Still buy outfits them. Okay. but yeah 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 and i'm not saying i'm not saying i'm particularly fussed either way i'm just saying that i think you know it 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 does change the nature of a game like this doesn't it whether you're wearing if if you're going into it you know playing playing the part and role playing the undercover cop in the triads um it does definitely change the experience if you're wearing sort of Dead Rising style ludicrous outfits. And if you want to do that, then it's fine. But it's definitely it's definitely going to have an effect on how you view the world, I think. Especially, I don't think it carries through into cutscenes, though, in Sleeping Dogs, if I remember rightly. Uh, I seem to remember in the, in the penultimate mission where you, where you find uh, one of your closest friends uh, in, a, in a slightly... Uh, disgusting state i was wearing yes. my rico outfit and that did sort of ruin the moment somewhat yeah. <laughs> did undercut, okay. undercut the emotion slightly yeah yeah well yeah that's a that's a choice people can make for themselves Indeed. um the other thing i want to talk about the definitive editions now i haven't played them for myself but i have read enough and uh, heard enough to know that um the performance on the console versions is not definitive in the sense that the frame rate is still struggling for 30 frames a second. Um, so even though the graphics might be, you know, um, 1080p as opposed to the, probably the 720 of the last gen versions, um, this is not a, a sort of, uh, you know, a, a 1080p 60 frames per second glorious. This is the PC version maxed out on a decent rig type experience. This is a rather choppy um, uh, and it's kind of, yeah, um, a bit, a bit of a disappointment, I'd suggest, given what what the the new machines can do, um, and uh, yeah, it kind of makes slight mockery of the definitive tag. Uh, I wouldn't have said so uh, entirely. Um, it's certainly not sixty frames a second, but it's not. Uh, it's not. I wouldn't. It didn't count at any parts where it was where it was choppy or there was any visible slowdown or uh, screen tear. I don't know if it's been patched since since launch. Um, and that's why it wasn't that noticeable. But certainly the PS4 version was originally stronger than the Xbox One version in terms of mm. uh, that sort of performance uh, detail. But, you know, it wasn't... I mean, to be fair, the only real... I mean, other than the obvious overall sort of better graphical quality, the only real mm. addition that you could see was when it was nighttime and it was raining, it did... The, the effects and the lighting really did leap out. And at all other times, there was just like this... Uh, thin sort of veneer of fog everywhere you went, which I'm not entirely sure is entirely hmm. 
in keeping with the the real place. But it, it's definitely not on the uh, on the PC version. No, it was, it was it was strange. There was lots of fog all the time. Um, hmm. it, it was. I mean, it, after a while, you, you see past it. But I mean, it, it was just little gra- graphical flourishes like that that they that they put in. But hmm. it definitely didn't. I mean, if you pick it, you can get it for. I think it's like seven quid at the moment on on PSN. Uh, and if you hadn't played it at, at seven quid, you wouldn't feel like you've had been ripped off. It was. It's not. No, sure. It's not. The the game doesn't underperform in that in that level. I think if you were coming from. Yeah, I think if you were coming from the 360 or PS3 version to the definitive PS4 or Xbox One version, you'd probably think, wow. Um, but I think if you were coming from the P- PC version played at high spec to the console versions, uh, the new console versions, I don't think you'd, I suspect you wouldn't be very impressed. No. But I'm only speculating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no Sleeping Dogs 2 being announced, uh, as far as I'm aware, anyway. Um, one thing that has been announced, but I don't know if it, it's uh, if it's still happening. Um, is a thing called Triad Wars. Uh, so again, by United Front Games, supposedly, and released by Square Enix. A lot of the same people on board, although a different director, Lee Singleton. Um, an open world online multiplayer action st- adventure strategy video game. Everything in that then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a match three uh, puzzler. <laughs> Um, so that's all. Yeah, that's 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 all I know about it. Uh, there was a there was a, an announcement trailer on September twenty uh, second, two thousand fourteen. But um, beyond that, it sounds like you won't be playing an undercover cop this time um, because the aim is to uh, is to rise to power as the kingpin of the triad underworld. So we shall see. Mm. Who knows when it'll be with us. Now we must hear from some of our contributors at canarince.com slash forum. Or you can, of course, email podcast at canarince.com. First up, it's Grussell. Sleeping Dogs is a game I always wanted to like more than I ended up doing so. I remember first hearing about it during its troubled development and being intrigued by the idea and started to root for it to be released. The idea of a GTA-like game set in Hong Kong with a focus on hand-to-hand combat inspired by martial arts films sounded brilliant. When the game finally got released after a change in publisher and name, I was eager to buy it up and give my support. At first, things seemed good. The Hong Kong setting is the first thing that jumps out at you. It's such a rich and well-realised city, full of dense streets and neon signs and the chatter of civilians filling the air with a seamless mix of Cantonese and English. This was especially true of the small market area that you see near the start of the game. The movement and combat systems were another early highlight. Everything felt fluid and fast-paced. Some of the more brutal aspects of the combat were pretty satisfying, but also made me flinch at how painful and sadistic it was. But that was all part of the appeal. The parkour-like mechanics were also pretty fun, especially in some of the chase missions. Being able to move quickly and vault over things in the environment fit well with the counter-focused combat controls, and it made moving around feel more dynamic and interactive than your usual open-world crime game. But as I played the game more, I started noticing things that brought down the experience, and even some things that were fun before started getting old. The biggest disappointment at the game I found were the driving controls. The cars simply felt awful. They were stiff and numb, inconsistent and painfully slow. They tried to do a lot of flashy effects to give the cars a sense of speed, yet it ended up just highlighting how slow the cars actually are. Going round tight roads was always a pain, with the car jerking round everywhere and the whole experience just ended up feeling incredibly unsatisfying. After a while, the combat mechanics started feeling old too. 
the more violent finishes lost their shock value and the whole system started feeling repetitive and shallow. It just became little more than spamming the attack button until you see an enemy glow red and then pressing the counter button before returning to spamming attack. Unlocking special moves didn't seem to alleviate this much. I unlocked most of them and they seemed to either be not particularly practical or didn't have much reason to be used instead of a normal attack. The parkour too suffered from a similar problem. It felt like there were several set piece missions throughout the game which were designed around it, but outside of those areas in the wider city they weren't that useful. Instead of leaping through crowded alleyways and up onto labyrinthine rooftops, most of the time you were just running around at street level like any other open world action game. There weren't shortcuts for you to take anywhere unless you happened to be going through the exact same area an earlier mission took place. Mostly the city felt like it was designed around the use of cars, despite them being a much less enjoyable and unique way to move around. The death knell of this game to me though were the shooting mechanics. After they were introduced it was just a downward spiral until I eventually lost all interest in the game and stopped playing. I was already starting to tire some of the other aspects of the game, but then there were a spate of missions that were basically just shootouts. The game turned into a subpar third-person shooter with barely serviceable gunplay and an incredibly fragile player character. It completely sucked out what made the game unique in the first place and became boring and frustrating. The use of the guns during driving was awful too. Aiming and driving at the same time isn't something I usually have much trouble with in most games, but here it was a mess. It was so hard to get a hit on enemies and not crash into everything while you and your targets were wildly jerking around the road. So Sleeping Dogs ended up being a real disappointment to me. I was drawn in by its unique elements and underdog image, but it turned out to be simply a middling open world action game with missed potential. Poor old Scrussel. Um, I can see where he's coming from and a lot of that. The only thing my experience differed really was, um, I, while I didn't enjoy the driving, I, I did agree with Brian that actually the, the shooting from cars was kind of easier than some other games in that in that regard, but horses for courses i suppose uh brian would you read the roosters yes for us, please the rooster writes uh, i found a broken ps3 on ebay for 20 pounds and managed to fix it once it was up and running i got ps plus and sleeping dogs was the first game i downloaded for the following week i had a great open world experience although the map was rather small compared to red dead or gta it was buzzing with things to do i love the storyline even if the writing was cheesy at times the fighting was original, the way you could use the environment around you with great ease really changed the experience. I'd find myself trying to use stealth and fists to complete tasks rather than just shooting up the place whenever possible. A few things that I did find frustrating though. The driving was mostly poor, it didn't matter if you were in a sports car or a van, they all drove the same. I used a motorbike most of the time as it seemed the best way to get about the city, using alleyways and side streets. Plus, any excuse to bust out on a karaoke machine in a game or real life and I'm all over it. Also, I thought it would be good to have a choice of failing a mission on purpose to enhance your chances in a rival mission. Maybe this is something for sleeping dogs too. Only a few days after finishing it, my PS3 broke, and I couldn't get it working again. It was a short but action-packed week. Saying all that, would I play the game again? Probably not. It was good at the time, but now with more expansive open worlds, I feel it would be a downgrade, even on PS4. However, should there be a Sleeping Dogs 2, I would be all over it. All over it like a cheap suit. So Baker's 12, our next correspondent, says, On release, I had no interest in this game. It seemingly came out of nowhere with no build-up before release. 
Alarm bells were ringing, but word of mouth on this game was very positive. Finally played it when a workmate lent it to me on the 360. So this was after GTA 5 was out, and I was way into it and thought it would not stand up against that. I was kind of wrong. Sleeping Dogs, despite being an open-world game in a city with driving and fighting, it's not trying to be GTA. First thing to grab me was the city and map felt fresh, exciting, and lived in, perhaps a bit more so than Rockstar's offerings. The combat was solid with set pieces standing out, Wedding being my favourite. The story is a spot-on homage to Hong Kong thrillers, with a twisting plot and a central protagonist almost always in inner turmoil, what he's doing undercover and where his loyalties lay. And to some extent, you will go through the same feelings as him. The story also does not overstay its welcome. There is little padding to the narrative. The gameplay can be extended by the side activity. This was further reinforced by a very good central cast of actors, giving some very strong performances, particularly the lead. Though some of the incidental NPCs' voice work is very stereotypical. My only real down point was the driving. It feels much laboured, like you were driving a tank rather than a sports car. It reminded me of the true crime games, and I was not surprised when I found out, found out that this was originally going to be in the series. I really would recommend this game. While it does not do much new, it picks up some elements from other games. Whilst not improving on them, it puts them together in a very refreshing world where you want to see what happens to its characters. I hope United Front Games are working on something similar. Seems they are. Hmm. Right, uh, Alex79 UK. I absolutely loved this game. I'd not really heard much about it until release, and after watching a few videos, got quite excited. I'm not sure whether I'd played any Saints Row games at this point, but the last big open world game of a similar style I'd finished was GTA 4, which was incredibly pole-faced and serious. I think the missions were fun, the combat, which seemed to be lifted wholesale from the Arkham games, was polished and handled perfectly. And I really like whizzing around Hong Kong in the various sports cars and bikes you could get your hands on. I thought the story, whilst being unoriginal, held together well, and I had a lot of fun with the side missions too. It had plenty of really nice touches like bullet time when aiming from a car and the leaping from vehicle to vehicle whilst driving. All silly stuff, but this just added to the enjoyment. Overall, I have nothing negative to say about the game at all really. It looked great. It played great, and when I finally get a PS4, I think it'd be one of the first games I'll replay. Excellent, top-notch fun all round. I'd be excited about a sequel. He'd be very excited about a sequel, actually. Hmm. That's um, Yeah, and I think, um, again, this is perceptions of things, but um, I think uh, Alex's uh, enthusiastic response certainly echoes a lot of those I've heard. Obviously, we've done our thing and picked apart different bits that we liked and didn't like, and we'll summarise shortly. Um, but I don't... It's one of those games where the vibe I get is that, you know, people kind of dig it, kind of like it more than they dislike it um, as a rule. But um, our correspondence has been a good mixture, I think, uh, as has our discussion. But we'll see whether we come down on the recommendation side or not. Shortly after, we've heard from uh, Twitter... And our three-word reviews that were sent to at Kane and Rince. Gary Blower says, made me sleepy. Graham Strachan says, charring narrative jumps. Luke Jones says, heads innovatively smashed. Zephyr Lights, 
magnificent roundhouse kick. The rooster says karaoke and fighting. Uh, Mark Mather says Hong Kong Huey. Ruben Cornell, fish slapping fun. Anders Russell, swordfish impalement mechanic. Richard Atwood, good call, Squeenix. And Alex Dollar, king of Kong. Very good. So uh, it is time as is always the way for us to summarise and to say what we liked, what we didn't like. And I suppose overall, would we recommend that people who almost certainly already own this game actually download it or even start playing it if they haven't already? Uh, Let's start with Jay. Yeah, now I'm kind of, I'm going to sound like, I'm actually going to sit on the fence with this because it's really hard for me to say I'd recommend it given the fact that I put it down for nine months and if it wasn't for the podcast have doubts that I would have gone back to finish it off. But since I did, and since, since you kind of, since I spent the last week sort of finishing off the game, I kind of got back into it again. I kind of enjoyed it. Well, enjoyed aspects of it. Could I recommend to somebody, would you want to play this game based on the small aspects of what I enjoyed about Mm. it? So, you know, is it worth the purchase given the fact that the only real bits that I enjoyed was actually the fighting mechanic? And in which case I would say, no, not really. Mm. But I got my copy for free. So if you've got it sitting on PS Plus, then it's possibly Against worth gold, yeah. playing. Yeah. Um, if you could buy it for a fiver, then maybe it would be worth it. it, it you know, again, value for money is subjective. So, you know, if it, it's, I don't know. It, it yeah, and I haven't seen the definitive version, so maybe, you know, with the exit, because I, I, there's one thing, and I, I'm, I'm so cautious about doing this because it's it it feels wrong to criticise a game based on the way it looks on a last-gen console. But when I turned it back on on the PS3, I was amazed at how fuzzy it looked. But I realised that that's just because now, I've been, I've, for the last few weeks prior to this, I've been playing, you know, the likes of GTA five and, and battlefield on the ps4 and you see that in all its glory and in, in its higher resolution it looks amazing and then you come on to ps3 games and it's suddenly i never thought they were so fuzzy when i was Same playing every game. Yeah. <laughs> i know and, and it, it's surprising how quick that yeah something changes in your head when you're playing stuff but but that said you could it, it can be one of those things where if you sit down with it and spend a few hours with it yeah of course uh, yeah. you you will reacclimatize yeah. um and it, yeah i think it's still probably a, but even kai even kai who was sat next to me was this saying rubbish? she's saying oh my god how old's this game and i said 2012 but she was <laughs> like it looks older than that and i was like yeah you know uh, but i think there's a yeah ah uh, so Jay's offered uh, no useful consumer advice at all there, but it was interesting hearing him musing. Brian, uh, what about you? I'm less conflicted. Uh, yes. I was sold on, on the game when I saw the mission where Wei Shen uh, beats up a room full of people, then uh, disarms a thug and has a gunfight in a warehouse, then jumps onto a sports bike and... Uh, has a chase down a freeway shooting out the tires of other vehicles before finishing off by leaping from said motorbike onto a sports car uh, and uh, taking down a bad guy. Uh, if that sounds like fun, and it is, then you should probably buy the game. Uh, the, the definitive edition, okay, it's not on sale anymore, but I think you can get it 
pretty much most places for under 20 quid now. Uh, and if you like the idea of that mix of mechanics and that kind of Hong Kong action cinema style approach to gameplay, then it's for you. Uh, it's not a game that is very strong narratively. I think it starts well and it does a good job of integrating you into the world early on. But there are a lot of gaps in the narrative that feel like uh, they had a story that they wanted to tell, but they couldn't quite work out how to get from point A to B to C to D. And, and so there's a lot of leaps. You know, you find yourself doing one thing and then instantly becoming somebody much more important within the triad. And then this other character who appears briefly and you have a relationship that then disappears. It's it's not very uh, compelling, I don't think, from a from a narrative standpoint. And I'd hope that Triad Wars aside, if they do get a chance to revisit the idea of a an undercover police officer uh, in the um, in, in in Hong Kong and infiltrating the triads, that they that they might look at trying different ways of approaching that subject matter and that material, because I think it's possible now. You you look at something like uh, Middle Earth: Shadows of Mordor and the the dynamics that they they bring to that. I think there is. There is something that they could do there. I understand what we said what we said earlier about there it being difficult to have an open world style game where you can do anything you want, but being constrained by the rules of being a police officer. But I think they're you know a smart enough developer would be able to get that to work at some point. So I'm hopeful for what they can try and how they can build on it. But it, you know, for me, it's just a it's a game that's that doesn't excel uh, mechanically necessarily, but the combination of all the bits is fun. And it's a short enough game that you can play through it uh, in a week if you want, or you can lose yourself in lots of side missions. Uh, but either way, I, I didn't feel disappointed. It was as much fun second time through as it was the first time through. Uh, so, yeah, it's a recommendation from me. Yeah, uh, I see, see what you're saying about the sort of greater than the sum of its parts thing. Um, I certainly came away feeling like uh, I hadn't, had a bad time i you know I'd, I'd had an enjoyable time i'm certainly with with these open world games i am a sucker for um a developer just popping things around in an open world to find so i did some of that but not to a an obsessive degree um i got occasionally got engaged with the story but only sporadically because of those wild crashing um problems with both the uh the fact that what you were doing in the game was completely inexcusable for the character you were supposed to be playing a lot of the time and also the strange um jumps from moments of levity to moments of horror and 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 back and forth but when i was actually just traversing the city generally on on foot um a car the car travel was uh really tedious but um that was softened the blow of that was softened somewhat by uh, a really cool and expansive selection of uh, licensed music tracks um don't expect uh, an entertaining talk any entertaining talk radio like in gta uh, or amusing adverts they're, they're all played quite seriously but um but there's some tunes to listen to um but when I was uh, just yeah walking from place to place, soaking in the the atmosphere and um, having the occasional fight under under neon lit signs in the rain and disarming thugs with uh, 
turning their meat cleavers back on them and shoving them into uh, dumpsters and all that sort of thing. I was definitely definitely having a good time, but certain elements just made it. It's not. It's not just about comparing it negatively to other games in the genre. It's just that I feel that certain elements were skimped on, or or done a little cheaply, or just were done a bit half-heartedly and and not completed. And and I think a great illustration of that is perhaps yeah one of the things that I got the biggest problem with away from uh, you know the unpleasantness of some of the violence was the is the treatment of the the way the three way shen love interests which as i say is uh, is date coyly uh seduce and then get uh, and, and then get extra pickups available on the map just really weird and and quite tacky i thought but overall um yeah those moments that that brian describes of doing action movie nonsense and um and kicking people in the face and stuff uh, i can't i'm not gonna lie I, I had fun with that stuff um recommendation well if if you've already got it on your hard drive or or in your download lists on 360 or uh PS Plus, or you got it in a in a humble bundle or something, then definitely uh, worth a whirl, I would say. But um, I think there are better games in this. That yeah, there are other games that do everything that this game does better. Um, that you could actually spend money on. Let's finish with James. Oddly, I think I I am incredibly positive about this, but um, I think I'm going to say. I, I feel like Sleeping Dogs is actually slightly lesser than some of its parts. And, <laughs> and the reason for that is that I think it came out at, at the right time. It was uh, GTA 4 was 2008. This is four years later, which is it's kind of when you would have expected another GTA to be coming out. Mm. You know, pretty much. It, it, that's, that's quite a long gap to have already had. Um, and I think that meant that stuff like the hand-to-hand combat, stuff like the different setting, uh, the little bit of parkour incorporating the sort of stunts when you're you're driving um, in terms of the traversal and the shooting tires, stuff like that meant that it was able to somewhat, to a small degree, show up GTA 4 for what, at that point, people had realized it maybe was areas where it might have been lacking a little bit. Um, just by virtue of its of its age as much as anything by then. Um, and I think when the whole thing comes together, it is let down by social aspects, the dating, that kind of thing. Um, and it is let down the driving horribly, the shooting a little bit, and, and the narrative's uneven, uh, to, to say the least. However, when I think back to Sleeping Dogs, the stuff I remember is that moment where at the beginning you're going through the market and it feels like... The same sort of feeling I got from walking around in in a game like Shenmue, you are part of a place that is, to me, uh, foreign and exciting and and vibrant in a way that that I've never experienced. Um, and and then you've you've got the, the fighting aspect of it, which is a nice take on the, I think, incredibly well loved generally uh, Arkham Asylum style of combat. Um, but the thing I take away most of all from Sleeping Dogs, and the thing I remember the most, it, are the the nods to Hong Kong cinema, the, and and those are some of them are are in in little moments, and some of them are in in larger set piece missions, uh, shootouts that, that evoke uh, 
the balletic John Woo style, uh, almost gun ballet, if you like. Um, and and to say that, you know, a few years ago, the term Red Wedding was thrown around uh, Twitter quite a lot associated with with uh, with a TV show. But to me, Red Wedding means what I saw in, in this game, a set piece like that, a, a mission like that. Um, I think it is a testament to how some of the characters are handled and some of the way the story slowly builds, much like the the progression of the character through the fighting and then bringing in guns, etc. I think there there are nice touches and nice moments and uh, a, a nice way of handling a game that brings s- several unique things to a genre, open world crime, that is relative, it's very well trodden by this point. So I think Sleeping Dogs, the fact that it stands out to me in my memory over uh, several other types of of these types of games uh, is a testament to the things that it does well. Um, unfortunately, it does have some some uneven spots, but those those pale for me. My my memories of it are incredibly positive. I would love to see a, a, another, another take on this world. Personally, I'd prefer Sleeping Dogs 2 to Triad Wars, but um, that that may not be possible. Well, you know, it was complete fluke that uh, that you were perhaps uh, e- even more positive than Brian, and I put you last. As a, as regular listeners will know, I always try to uh, go up to the most positive, um, and that's cool. I really wasn't sure, um, but yeah. So, but decent spread of opinions on this one. And uh, it just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Brian, Jay and James and to tell you that next time, that's issue 170, it will be our porniest podcast ever, wall-to-wall, stating the bleeding obvious porn in our Dragon's Dogma issue.
Yeah.